Um, let's talk some shit. It's Polly Siegel and Victoria Aaron, two licensed therapists who've spent way too much money on degrees, certifications, and trainings. Mm. We both love what we do and couldn't imagine working in any other profession, but we're forced to be serious all the time, and that gets boring. Shit Talking Shrinks discusses important mental health topics, the human experience, and society at large, while poking fun along the way. It won't be all fun and games because after every episode, you'll walk away with tangible tools to navigate life more effectively. We love a tangible tool. This episode is sponsored by Joyous. Okay, I have to tell you about this incredible company, Joyous. It's an at-home ketamine treatment that delivers ketamine to your door for $129 a month, which is absolutely unheard of because most ketamine treatment is hella expensive. And what ketamine does is it helps our prefrontal cortex work more optimally. And the prefrontal cortex helps with decision-making, problem-solving, emotional regulation. It's the part of the brain that gets us through hard shit. And so if you're someone who has struggled with anxiety and depression and you've tried antidepressants or you've tried mood stabilizers and they haven't helped, ketamine is absolutely the next step. And I have seen my clients thrive while using ketamine. Joyous makes it super easy to access this life-changing medicine, and you can start the process by visiting www.joyous.team. Hello! We have such a fabulous guest, Lindsay, who, one, I just think the topic that we're going to get into this episode is so powerful because we're going to talk about fertility, we're going to talk about pregnancy and just women issues that all of us go through. And I think a lot of us go through it in the dark and we go through it in secrecy and siloed. And there's not much emphasis that society does around this education in this area to allow for more like collective experience and collective compassion. So thank you, Lindsay. Introduce yourself. Yeah. So first of all, thanks for having me. I love that intro too, because when I think back on my journey with infertility and period loss, which I'll talk a little bit here about here in a second, that is how I felt. Like I felt alone and I felt like it was taboo. And so that's one of the reasons why I'm so passionate about talking about disordered eating and periods, like two very taboo topics. So a little bit about me. I'm a registered dietitian. I've been a dietitian for 12 years. A lot of my training and education is more in kind of traditional nutrition, kind of rooted in diet culture. And so it's kind of ironic that 10 years later, I found myself doing what I do. So I work with women with disordered eating and infertility, in particular women that have either lost their period or are experiencing fertility issues related to disordered eating and overexercise. So I help women to heal their relationship with food, be able to restore their fertility and get pregnant naturally. Tell us more about what you're noticing in terms of modern fertility and issues that we're seeing with women and sort of how we're navigating it in the best way possible. I think that one of the things that's really changed over the past 20 years is like this like shift to like gym culture and fitness culture. And so we have women, not that this is a bad thing, but we have people in general working out at intensities and pushing their bodies to extremes in a way that we consider in this day and age to kind of be culturally acceptable. Like we're like, oh, you go girl, like you crush that workout. You're doing two a days. Like that's amazing. Like go you. And not that there's anything wrong with that, but it's very easy for someone like myself and the clients that I work with to hide in that really deeply struggling with disordered eating tendencies. 
and for everyone to be like, this is okay. And I don't think that it's something that people are incredibly aware of because it's so culturally acceptable. And what I run into is a lot of women will come off the pill in hopes to start their family and they'll be like, oh shit, where's my period? And what they don't know is they've been on the pill for a decade or so. They come off the pill and because the pill's been able to mask the fact that they weren't getting a period, they've been underfueling, and there's a lot of other things going on. But the pill has really masked this issue of basically them not being able to have a period or being able to get pregnant. And so with diet culture and in particular like fitness and gym culture, it's really easy for the type of women that I work with to really fly under the radar and for everyone to be like, oh, she's so fit. She's so healthy. This can have a really dramatic impact on somebody's emotional well-being on overall health. We talk about like cardiac issues. We talk about bone. We talk about digestive issues. And then in particular, their fertility, their ability to be able to get pregnant and start a family. So are you saying, I'm sure this is like a really intense claim and sorry to put you on the spot, but are you saying that like, women, even if they don't have disordered eating, but like just the amount of exercise and the types of exercises that we're doing, like it's affecting our fertility? Yes and no. Holy shit. Okay. I was like, my mom was right. Cause when I was like lifting heavy, my mom was like, be careful of your woo woo. <laughs> and I was like, fuck you, mom. I'm allowed to drag 300 pounds on a sled. Like, is that, is that <laughs> no. So good question. So yes and no. I think that. I know that there are people who can train at intense level. There are women that run Ironmans and have no difficulty getting pregnant. They're popping babies out like it's their job, right? So there are some people who can train like that and have no fertility issues. However, there are another probably 50% of active women, according to research, 50% of active women can experience menstrual disturbances that can impact their fertility. And they can kind of be like low-level things like, not ovulating. So maybe we're getting a period every single month, but we're not actually ovulating. Therefore, we can't make a baby or the length of their luteal phase is insufficient for pregnancy. So there's kind of like these low level things that can be going on. And then there's like full blown amenorrhea, losing your period. It can be related to exercise. That's kind of one thing. But what we typically see is kind of like these kind of three telltale things. It's like under fueling, typically disordered eating, because let's face it, most women do have like somewhere on the spectrum of disordered eating over-exercise, and then also just kind of this like perfectionistic, high-stress, thrive-under-stress personality. So it's kind of stress, under-fueling, and over-exercising. Wow. Well, and I guess this really, this is so sad to hear because of the societal messaging that being a high achiever and being a go-getter and go, 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 no stopping, paired with exercise, do it high-intensity, be fierce paired with stay thin is a fucking recipe for not being able to procreate. Like do all this shit and do it right. And if you don't, then you are not a woman. <laughs> That's so right. Yeah. And then we like, you know, we wonder why everybody's so stressed out and why infertility rates are so high. You know, this is all part of it. Wow. Okay. So I'm fascinated because I'm a science gal at heart. Okay. So if we're seeing a correlation between disordered eating over-exercise and high stress, high cortisol, and just performance being culprits to having fertility issues. Walk me through why disordered eating or why over-exercise is impacting our fertility. What's the science behind it? Right. So there's kind of a number of factors, but kind of the common denominator is under-fueling. So 
you might be burning thousands of calories from exercise, but if you're only consuming X number of calories through food, your body's kind of just operating off bare minimum. And when the body doesn't have enough energy to function properly, it begins to shut down kind of non-essential body systems. So that might look like you not having the best digestive. Your body doesn't have the energy to regularly move food and waste through your digestive tracts. And you could just have like horrible gut issues. Another way that we see, and we call it kind of energy availability, the amount of energy your body has to just function optimally. So it kind of shuts down like proper digestion. It shuts down bone turnover, like the ability to be able to build and maintain regular bone mass. Cardiac function suffers and then you lose your period, right? Because like your body only has so much available energy. It's not going to prioritize making a baby. It's going to prioritize your heart having the energy it needs to pump blood to vital organs. And so that is really the crux of it is the body just simply not having enough energy because of the imbalance through what we're expending and not enough coming in through food. Okay. And then how does exercise play into it? So in two ways, really. So two, right? Like exercise burns calories. So you're expending a lot of energy through exercise. And then also too, as you kind of already touched upon Victoria, cortisol. So, you know, cortisol is a stress hormone and some cortisol is okay. But when our bodies are chronically stressed out, cortisol levels are chronically high. It can interfere with kind of the communication between the brain and the ovaries, kind of the HBO, HBG access. And it can basically kind of like cut that communication. So your brain is not sending the signal to the ovaries to start increasing your estrogen, your progesterone, your FSH, your LH, all of those things. Wow. Can I share something personal? I'm going to, even if I'm not allowed. I'm allowed. This is my fucking podcast. Never mind. I mean, I would say it's our podcast, but semantics. Yes. Okay, Polly. Come on. Give me a break here. Come on. Okay, so when I first got my first period, when I was, I don't know, 13 or whatever, I was passing out and throwing up for my cramps. It took about 10 years to get diagnosed with endometriosis. So I've been in chronic pain from the time I was 13 until I was 30. Uh, Last year, I went through a breakup. And since that breakup, so it's been a year, I have had no symptoms of my endometriosis. I've talked about it so many times with people in my life. My stress levels went down after my breakup significantly. I was de-stressed, like I was distressed. And now my stress levels are so low, I don't have any symptoms of my endometriosis. And it's funny because my relationship to my period, my relationship to my ovulation, my relationship to everything is so different. I feel so much more connected to it. I feel way less connected to powerlifting and doing all these things. I've been doing a lot of hot yoga. I don't know. There's something like energetically in my body that's like feels more settled because I'm not under that duress. And there's more and more. It's so interesting you bring that up, Polly, because there's more and more research coming out about how I don't know if you guys have come across this in like the social media world. It's really like hot topic right now, but like cyclical training. So like training at different intensities and doing different types of exercise around your menstrual cycle. And it's kind of like new and upcoming. I don't know if it's like the end all be all. But I think that there is something there to like learning how to train for your body and ways that can support your hormones rather than just being like always in the gym, always pushing so hard or always training at a certain intensity. What comes up for me is why is society promoting such intense workouts for women and celebrating them and validating them if it's hurting fertility? What's the disconnect here? Two things. I think a lot of women are on hormonal birth control. And so 
when we think about probably like, you know, I don't mean to like drag like CrossFit's name in the dirt or anything. That's just the first thing that comes Do to my it. mind. When you, think about, <laughs> when you think about like a, like a woman in a CrossFit class, she's probably in her twenties. Right. And so she may not be ready to start her family and she's on hormonal birth control. And so she's not really aware that this is impacting her fertility. When she comes off the pill, she might notice some issues with her period or she may be struggling to get pregnant. And so she goes to her doctor and her doctor says, hmm, well, that's interesting. Well, you know, why don't we start fertility treatment? So I think a lot of people go straight into fertility treatment without really looking under the surface to see like what might be going on. You know, what's also really interesting about that. So I'm not on birth control because it fucks with me and I hate it. I mean, I haven't been on it for a decade, but like now dating, like when I meet a guy and they're like, so are we fucking without a condom? I'm like, are you out of your fucking mind? Number one, STIs, but number two, like I'm not on birth control, you know? And they're like, what? What do you mean? <laughs> I'm like, what do you mean? They're like, get a vasectomy, idiot. Like that shit fucks with us. And women get off it and they're like, I'm going to get pregnant right away. And it's like some women do, but I'm sure a lot of people don't. Yeah. And that's kind of a whole rabbit hole. I mean, I think there's a lot of reasons why people struggle with infertility after coming off the pill. But in the active lady population, this is something that I am like really wanting to shout from the rooftops because I think that it impacts a lot more women than people talk about. Mainly because like my DMs are full, like literally from like very, very like fit women. I am getting lots of DMs about questions about their period, questions about why they haven't gotten their period back. Am I ovulating? What does this mean? And I think that, you know, to kind of circle back to your original question, Victoria, like there's a lack of education in general. There are women on the pill being like, oh, I get my period every single month, not really understanding that that's synthetic hormones and that it's a withdrawal bleed. And then I also think doctors like not being incredibly educated on this topic and just the fat phobia that goes on in the Western medical, all medical realm, like so much fat phobia, right? Like doctors are waiting for their invitation to tell women to lose weight, start exercising and eat healthier. And so they're not looking at it from the other perspective and under the lens of what if this woman has taken things too far? Like they're never going to tell someone to stop exercising and they're never going to tell someone to gain weight and eat more carbs, right? That's actually what these women need to do to be able to get their period back and get pregnant. Yeah. Well, the medical system is incredibly flawed on in so many different ways, but it's such set, really heavily around BMI and body and it's causing significant damage. I mean, being some, I'll just speak for myself. You know, I was always classically overweight or my BMI was not where doctors wanted it. But if I got to the weight they actually wanted me to be at, I would be suffering. I would be incredibly restrictive with food. I would have very low energy levels. I would struggle to be able to, you know, feel that vitality that our body is supposed to bring us if I got to the weight that they requested. And so it's so nuanced and it's so individualized that like, yes, I'm technically overweight. However, my body thrives at a higher weight point. And it always has. And, you know, and I think probably a lot of women fall into that trap where they're trying to seek out a certain size or shape or weight because doctors are, are you know, preaching it. 
And that inherently could be affecting fertility too, because their bodies are going under such distress and they're going to such great lengths and extremes to try to fit into a mold that their body doesn't even want to be in. I want to take a quick pause to talk about our sponsor, a company called BetterHelp. It's an online therapy platform where all the therapists are licensed and accredited professionals. It's affordable. You pay a low flat fee for therapy with your therapist, and it's convenient. Do it at your own time and at your own pace, and you can communicate with your therapist as much as you want and whenever you feel is needed. And more importantly, it's effective. Thousands of people have benefited from therapy using BetterHelp. And we're really grateful to offer all of our listeners 10% off your first month. So if you're interested in receiving therapy ASAP, click the link in our show notes and you can get started and you get to save money. Okay, wait, I have a question though. So like just from my own experience being, I was heavier when we broke up. I was, I was eating differently when we broke up and then post breakup, like I eat less inflammatory foods. I'm, I've, my body feels better. I, I lost a significant amount of weight and my symptoms got better. And so like, sometimes I do struggle with this idea of, you know, this like fat phobia idea, this kind of like, because I, I understand for myself when I eat less inflammatory foods. And by the way, this, I think this episode is probably like one of the most controversial that we've done because there are people that are going to be listening to this that are probably going to feel like really uh negatively you know because like the things that we're talking about I don't think are easy for like if I we have a weightlifting girl in this bitch right now she's like fuck these shit talking drinks but I I do know for myself right like being on an anti-inflammatory and diet which has contributed to my weight loss like it actually has helped like being less for me, weighing less has helped my symptoms. Are your symptoms better because you weigh less or are your symptoms better because you are out of a stressful relationship and you're including more fresh foods and you're maybe prioritizing some lower level workouts and maybe some, you know, meditation, like you mentioned with the yoga, you know, kind of the whole idea behind like haze aligned practitioners, haze being health at every size is that not everybody is healthy at every side. Like you don't have to lose weight to be healthy. There are plenty of individuals who are in larger bodies that are still healthy. There are also people in larger bodies that are not unhealthy, but there's also people in smaller bodies that are unhealthy, right? So it's less to do about weight and body size and more about behaviors and how we're prioritizing our health. I have so much internalized fat phobia. I can't even, I don't even know. I mean, everyone does though. That is the thing. We have so much unlearning to do as individuals and as a society. Where do we start? <laughs> right. It's like a crazy question. Go ahead, Paul. I was, I was going to bring back the pill because I'm, I'm so curious Lindsay's take on it. But to echo what you're saying, Victoria, is this internalized fat phobia is so deeply ingrained in our psyche. And as much as society has started to promote more curvaceous bodies and being at different body sizes and still being able to maintain health and that it's beautiful and we can celebrate all body types, there's still that nagging voice that tells us that our body is only healthy when we're thin. Our body is only healthy when we're stereotypically fit. 
Our body is only healthy if we look a certain way and our desirability is connected to that. And so the fact is, is the only way to dismantle it is to not prescribe to it anymore. It's to literally hit the unsubscribe button and say, and do the research and become more educated because what Lindsay has said so far is that this very restrictive or calculated eating paired with high intensity is causing a lot of harm. And again, is it causing harm to everyone? No, but it's causing harm to enough people that 50% of women can't get pregnant now. That's fucking crazy. That's crazy. What do we do, Lindsay? How much? <laughs> it's going to depend a lot upon the person and like really more like kind of like stuff that you guys do, like kind of uncovering the why, like why am I training at such a high intensity and why do I feel like I have to be in control of every single thing that I eat? Why am I afraid of eating certain foods? Like, why is food scary? Like, why can't I just go have pizza with my friends? Like, why is this hard for me? And so kind of getting down to the core of like uncovering fat phobia. And just as you already talked about, like everyone has fat phobia, but uncovering beliefs and then of course behavior changes, right? And so bringing like, instead of going, you know, picking on CrossFit again, instead of going hard in the gym, can we mix in some low intensity movement? Can we get into you know, Polly's hot yoga class a couple times a week. Like, can we just take it down a notch? Can we reduce the overall amount and the intensity of the movement that we're doing? And as we're doing that, can we fill in the gaps? Okay, so we are intermittent fasting. We're not eating any carbs. We're calorie and macro, right? Like, we're doing all these things. Like, can we add some carbs back in? Can we, you know, make breakfast a priority instead of starving ourselves all day? Can we? be a little bit more flexible with like letting someone cook for us. It's addressing like the deeper, like why, like how did we get here? And then letting that kind of drive our habit change with food and movement. What we're discussing right now is a 14er. It's a hard hike and it's a long trek and it's a lot of diligence to rewire. I mean, that's just the truth. And I think we have to be compassionate that in order to begin to unsubscribe, it takes a lot of committed action to look at your faulty thinking, to look at your thinking errors around food and movement and stress and achievement. It's taking an inward look to go, what are behaviors and mindsets that actually serve me? And which ones are creating more chaos and stress and just the hamster wheel effect where we're just trapped in it? And so, you know, I think there's a lot of cognitive work and somatic work that needs to happen where we start dropping into our body and becoming more conscientious and aware of our thoughts and seeing how those, how the brain and body interact and dance together and how that perpetuates dysfunction. But something that I think a lot of listeners probably are curious about is how does birth control harm fertility? Or how does it interfere with our cycle and our evolutionary gift? Well, I'll start with how birth control kind of impacts our bodies, like what it does, because I feel like this is something that we all need to hear, like, as soon as we get our period, but no one's really ever been talking about this, at least to my knowledge, at least until like the past, you know, recent decade. So when you go on hormonal birth control, it basically shuts down your natural flow of hormones. And instead, it's giving you a steady flow of synthetic hormones. This is why a lot of women 
I don't want to say a lot of women. It's why some women don't feel great on the pill is because it's not the same hormones that your body naturally produces. I go psychotic on the pill. And I've never liked being on it either. That being said, some people feel completely fine on it. Some people who have like heavy, painful periods actually feel better on it. But what I think is the most important thing to know about birth control is that it's not your cycle of hormones. And if you're experiencing things like heavy, painful periods, or you're experiencing things like missing or irregular periods, the pill is not the solution because it's just giving you synthetic hormones and a withdrawal bleed every 28 days. It's not actually addressing why your hormones are out of whack. On that whole note, to my knowledge, I don't think the pill, like we're so quick to point the finger at the pill. And if you don't feel great on birth control, don't be on hormonal birth control. If you feel great on it, be on it, right? It is very effective at preventing pregnancy. And so if you do not want a baby at this point in time, then the pill is a great option for you if you feel okay on it. There are not to date, I think there could potentially be more coming, but to date, there are not research studies that show that the pill negatively impacts fertility per se. That doesn't mean that someone could be having hormonal imbalance issues before they go on the pill or develop imbalance issues on the pill, come off the pill, and then experience infertility for one reason or another. So I don't think that it's the pill to blame at this point in time. We might know more, right, in another 10 to 20 years. It's not necessarily that the pill is to blame, but more so that I don't think women understand what's going on with their bodies when they're on the pill. And then they come off the pill and they're like, what happened? There are some things that the pill can deplete our bodies of certain nutrients, B vitamins, and a couple of other things. And so it can be helpful once you cycle off the pill to work with someone on replenishing some of those nutrients, some of those nutrient deficiencies, especially in combination with like exposure to, you know, like certain toxins, like we talk about like things and like different plastics and like there's kind of more and more research around that coming up. So Depleted nutrients from the pill in combination with exposure to toxins, in combination with overexercise, under eating. Like, I can understand why people would feel that the pill can have an impact on fertility. But I think whenever we think about it in a little bit more like black and white terms, like the pill did not cause your infertility. It's probably things that have been going on kind of under the surface and the pill's been masking it. Does that answer your question? Or am I confusing everyone even more? No, I'm not confused. It's just, it's so massive. Massive. It's massive. Okay, so we are all about tangible tools. So if you could give three different tools to help, let's say you're a woman listening and you value family planning and you want to have a child and maybe it's your first, maybe it's your second or third, but there's that desirability to make it happen. What are tips that will help with your period, fertility, just general wellness so that family planning can come to life. I think it's all about kind of finding that sweet spot. Like Paula, you touched on, you're like, but I do feel better at a lower weight or I do feel better eating less inflammatory foods. Like those things aren't bad. We're not saying don't do those things, but we are also saying don't do those things to an extreme. So it's kind of finding that sweet spot with like what foods help me to feel my best, like what movement helps me to feel joyful and have more energy rather than like wearing me down. So kind of finding that sweet spot with like what works for you in terms of your nutrition and what works for you in terms of your movement. Sleep is really important. So prioritizing sleep, kind of limiting your screen time before bed, one of the easiest recommendations to give and hardest recommendations to like put into practice. So stress management, focusing on good quality sleep, finding your good balance between food and movement and foods that help you to feel your best. 
And then I always recommend if somebody's thinking like, oh, hey, like I would like to be pregnant in the next year to probably come off the pill if you're on the pill sooner than later, just to figure your body out. There's so much lack of education we have. Like I am a millennial and I think we grew up in a time where birth control was given out like candy and everyone thought it was wonderful and we weren't really educated on our cycles. And so I think coming off the pill can be helpful. Of course, you know, you want to make sure you're using condoms to prevent pregnancy if that's not the goal right away, but kind of learning your cycle, right? Like learning, like, do I ovulate? When do I ovulate? What is the kind of the health of my cycle? And then, of course, getting on a, a good quality prenatal. More and more research is talking about kind of three to six months before you want to be pregnant. You want to already be on a prenatal vitamin. This is also making me think, and I know we have to wrap up soon, but one of the things I was thinking about is like my mind always goes prehistoric for some reason. Like I'm always like, what was it like in caveman days when like she was pregnant? I'm making this up. I don't fucking like history at all. But I wonder, right, if like the man that impregnated this prehistoric cave woman is like taking care of her right is providing is meeting her basic needs or her general needs so that she her body's low stress so that she can you know basically have a safe pregnancy so i wonder too if maybe there's like tips and tricks for people who are having pregnancies with partners like what can their partners do because that's a huge piece of it too is like, what the fuck is your partner doing? You know, like I see women in the gym who are pregnant and they're like, I'm so sad. I would just encourage anyone who with their partner, like if you guys are deciding together, hey, we're ready to have a baby is like, let's be in it together, right? So like your wife is doing, you know, she's taking our training down a little, you know, less. Like, can you also do that with her? Like, can you guys go on some strolls around the neighborhood instead of, you know, being in the gym seven days a week? There's more and more coming out about male factor infertility. I think it's one in five cases of infertility is related to, it might even be higher than that. I might even be lowballing that, but male factor infertility is huge. And so cutting down on, oh, cutting down on marijuana, if you use it, like those are some biggies. I won't even go down like that whole recommendation, but you know, I think that get with a trusted practitioner. And if you guys are both preparing for a family, there are things that your partner, your male partner needs to be doing as well. In addition to you, if you guys want to have like the best shot in the world of getting pregnant ASAP. This is also inherently misogynistic because we're like, oh, these women, they're crossfitting. But it's like maybe the dude just can't fucking reproduce himself. Like maybe his sperm's low because he drinks and smokes weed or some shit. Exactly. Exactly. Yes. Yes, yes, yes. I asked all of that. The internalized misogyny. <laughs> well... This was a fruitful conversation. I mean, I love that listeners are able to walk away and evaluate what does their eating look like? What does their exercise look like? How might that be contributing to fertility issues and struggles? And I think if viewers and listeners can walk away and really pause and go, let me look at my eating. Let me look at my exercise. Let me look at my stress levels. Because all three things create this trio that impacts our fertility and our ability to have a healthy pregnancy. So I'm hoping it's a little bit unconventional, but this is powerful shit that all y'all need to listen to. To be fair, there are going to be people who do not have infertility issues related to their exercise and their air quotes healthy eating because then I use air quotes there because it's likely more disordered than actually healthy. 
probably the majority of the population isn't dealing with infertility for those reasons. But because this isn't talked about, and if you guys have listeners who are active women, I think that this is just an important issue to be aware of. Because if you're not experiencing it, you probably have someone in your inner circle who might be experiencing some level of that. Yeah. Yeah. Well, beautiful. Thank you, Lindsay, for joining us. Big, big love. Big, big love, everybody. Mm -hmm.